You're listening to Side Hustle Pro, the podcast that teaches you to build and grow your side hustle from passion project to profitable business. And I'm your host, Nikayla Matthews Okome. So let's get started. Hey, hey, guys. Welcome back. It is June. I am back from hiatus with brand new episodes. All this month, we will be diving in with certified side hustlers to learn how they have flourished in their lives and careers without missing a beat. First up is Sharia K. Jackson. Sharia and I first crossed paths back in New York City when we were both recent grads trying to make our way in this crazy world of media. She was always super supportive of other women, always willing to share her knowledge and resources with me. And that's why I have always rooted for her. When you see someone who you knew, quote unquote, back when, it's truly so inspiring just to know how far they've come and how much more they are capable of and how they're going to keep taking the world by storm. That's how I feel about Sharia. Sharia is an international speaker, coach, and you may know her best for her role as Essence Senior Editor, empowering the brand's global audience of 13 million. She's been featured on CNN, The CW, ABC News, Fortune, and Time. And if you saw the movie Girl Strip, you definitely saw a cameo of Sharia on the big screen. She's also earned a Hearst Award in journalism and has interviewed newsmakers such as Vice President Joe Biden, Kerry Washington, and Hillary Clinton. Sharia is now the author of Boss Bride, the powerful woman's playbook for love and success, which was just released this week. As a certified family life educator and coach, Sharia speaks on tapping into our personal power for success. On today's episode, Sharia reveals how her playbook for personal power has informed her champion side hustler life. We'll get into how she maintains a high profile both personally and professionally while keeping her job and herself happy. Let's get right into it. Welcome to the guest chair, Sharia. Thank you. So excited to be here. I am so excited to have you now. I already gave the audience a little sneak peek. The fact that, you know, we've met in our in our previous life as we were both kind of hustling in New York City coming up. Yeah. And, you know, out of undergrad. But I'd love for you, in your own words, to tell us about your personal story and what was your initial career path coming out of undergrad? Absolutely. And shout out to all the fellow Side Hustle Pro listeners. It's exciting to be on the other side. And my my path, at, I went to Howard, studied journalism, did internships, moved to New York where I interned at Essence. I did the ASME program and then got hired as an assistant when I came out um, of college. And to anyone like how you do that, I was a stalker with a smile. So I interned between my senior, my junior and senior year of college. So I spent my senior year on a bus, Chinatown bus up to New York before boat bus existed. Uh, and would come up a few every uh, one to two months and sort of just stay in people's face. And that led to me being offered an assistant job at Essence when I graduated. And so I worked from assistant to an associate editor for Essence.com. And so that kind of was my dream starting out. Um, and then 
in the recession, me and the entire wealth team I was working for in 2009 were laid off. Um, it was one of my biggest blessings personally and professionally. So I always share that story because, you know, we can feel so ashamed if you feel like you, it's something unexpected doesn't happen. But I also always tell the truth that I kind of felt it was coming. Not that I wasn't doing a great job, but it's just like I was in a space where I had been there two and a half years and sort of in some ways the grind was not the same as fulfilling as it had been. So the signs started coming. I ran out of business cards and I just kind of felt like it was time to start to think about what did I want to do next. And so after that, I got a position in at a fashion and beauty PR company where I was a social media manager. Some of our clients were Tresemme Motions, Winter Cape by Nicole Ritchie. And so, but during that time, um, and I always sort of had an entrepreneurial spirit to me. I didn't know that's what it was called. I just always know I like the idea of having more than one check coming in. Right. <laughs> it starts early. And I think, you know, that's why, I, and also too, after that, that coming into the industry when I did, it was, journalism and particularly print publications were already in a radical transformation season. And so I saw people who got laid off and didn't really know who they were outside of those jobs. And so I just promised myself at an early age, I never would be so held so tightly on a corporate position at a company I didn't own that when it was time for me to depart, I didn't know who I was outside of that space. And so much of me was wrapped up into an, uh, an external entity. Oh, and so yes. that's one of the, I just want to pause to snap two snaps for that real quick. <laughs> <laughs> because it's so true. It uh, is, you know. Okay, I'm done with the two snaps now. Let us get back into that. But did you want to talk about that piece real quick, though? Yeah, I think um, it definitely just sort of um, to someone who, I don't know, I, but what was coming up for me in that moment, and I think it was a defining moment that I often don't talk about, was that how big of a blessing being laid off was, but also how coming in for, I think, a lot of women who are in their 30s or this millennial, quote unquote, we're millennials, is that you did enter industries at a time of in the recession and how that shaped a lot of us to be side hustlers because we saw that it wasn't necessarily, oh, this is so sexy, but it's, this is necessity. This is to make sure that I'm okay no matter what happens externally. And so, um, yeah, after after um, taking a position in a PR company where I was doing social media strategy, I really started to assess my career and say, what were the things I liked around the positions I'd had so far? What didn't I like? But how could I organize my skills in a way that I always had steady cash flow? And so um, I started doing consulting um, for other magazines and, and companies. I started doing social media strategy for brands. And then I really started to ask myself in my spirit, what only did I get paid for, but what I had a passion for. So I was getting paid because social media strategy was hot at the time, still is. And my passion was really in helping people connect and build stronger relationships. And so I created a consultant firm um, and I still have a studio social. I still contract under it where I was doing um, the social media strategy and then also creating relationship resources. So I started at the college level where I started doing relationship workshops for college students because while I was at Essence in that first run, 
one of my beats I managed for the website was our relationship content online. And what I noticed was that we were making all this progress professionally and doing better than generations before us professionally. But in our personal lives, we were making some of the same mistakes as our mothers and their mothers. And it felt like this was an area where we deserved more support. And so I started training and just wanted to start at the college level. I feel like if I could start early and get you before you pick up a lot of emotional baggage, I could save you some, some, some trauma down the road because the reality is there's nothing light about who we love. You know, one, one wrong step in your love life can change your whole life. And so I knew I wanted to be a part of disrupting that and also creating resources. And so that's sort of how I got sort of started on the relationship coaching path. And then once I started at the college level and doing different campuses, my friends were like, well, we want stuff for us. And so I was like, okay. <laughs> so, yes. That's when I started to do workshops um, and content for women. And okay. so Fast forward two years into that PR role and I'm pitching for a business plan competition for my company and also get a call to interview for the relationships editor position at Essence. Um, and so all that, what felt like was a side hustle or just things I was doing outside of my PR role ended up making me the perfect candidate for this in-house position to, to be a relationships editor for Essence. I love that. I love the fact too, that you bring up something that I, I guess I often take it for granted that we started side hustling as a necessity, like back in the day, especially in media, that was yes. just, it was just understood. Like everybody has a side hustle. Everyone's doing something out of work because we gotta, we gotta live in New York, you know? And it really does add up. Like everything does add up to help you in the future with some future role. Like even when you can't see it as you're doing it. Now, let's talk about the environment, you know, that second run, you're back at Essence, um, knowing that you were the relationships editor, but you still had this great passion outside of work to, you know, learn more, do more. How did you approach balancing that and, you know, making sure that people were okay with that? Yeah, it, absolutely. And I get a lot of questions around that. Like even now with my book coming out, people are speaking and they're like, well, how do you navigate that? And it's been interesting to see sort of the shift because it went from like can you do that like how are you doing that to like how can I do it so then they start asking more technical questions like how did what's the process and so I'm excited to see more people sort of give themselves permission to use all their passions and not expect one position or one corporate job to be able to encompass and to give them the space to use all of their resources and talents that were given to you and so for me I can't say that I really had a strategy but what I did have was a lot of support and so I really uh, built relationships both inside the company but also externally with coaches with the business coach with the career coach personal development like I definitely stayed a student and and with that um, I really have had to learn how to be a better communicator because it is different when you're in-house building something external because it still is you know we still are evolving for the workplace expectations that the fact that you are doing things outside and so that that it's important that you stay in front of it and you over communicate what you're up to because one of the mistakes and I learned early I didn't I, some of the things I learned I was smart some things I learned from mistakes is that yes people are watching so I got better because I would come in on a Monday and someone might say oh we see you did x y and not or social media and I didn't think anything of it but instead of them finding out on social media I did a better job of communicating beforehand 
And so, and it, not necessarily being necessarily asking for permission, but just pr providing a courtesy FYI, like, oh, just so you know, I'll be speaking here, I'll be doing this. And so I just navigated those things. Definitely, if you are in-house, you want to read all of the manuals. If you signed a contract, read any contracts you've signed so that you're aware. And another huge bonus for me was that I created relationships within the HR department. And so at the time, Essence was owned by Time Inc. And so I started to cultivate relationships internally so that me me growing and expanding it was not perceived as a threat within the organization and so but you definitely have to over communicate and then I had to make sure I stayed on top of my work because I because I was doing a lot outside of work it would be very easy to be like if any deadline slipped or anything didn't oh because she's over there doing that and so but you know versus someone else who might not be doing as much and they might slip they might not get that same thing so I knew I had to almost overproduce internally so that it was not seen as taken away from the day job by me doing things outside, but I definitely over communicated. I reinvested my personal time. You know, I was at a time where I didn't have kids. I was in a relationship and not married. And so I said, this is, the, this is my season to bet on me, but it definitely meant I had to over communicate and in some ways really make sure I stayed on top of everything. But if I'm honest and you talk about this, it's like, we have way more time than we want to admit. Oh yes. Because, <laughs> you know, it's like the busier I am. It's like, I, I, people like, how do you do it all? I'm like, well, there's, you know, I didn't want, I still haven't watched that season that's finale of scandal yet right but we all I, i'm not watching love and hip-hop but it's like we all choose how we spend our time so i don't get any more time yes um i just have to be incredibly disciplined with the time i do have right it's all about choices and this is not a judgment on anyone it's just like if you're looking for more time it might be you know in that commute hour or it might be after work you know when you usually get get up with your friends like that is absolutely. where the time is um, absolutely and you know you mentioned a few things. I'm, I'm over here taking notes, y'all, <laughs> because you are preaching. But what I like, you said, don't expect one corporate job to encompass all of your talent. And that's something I just really want to emphasize real quick. That's another reason why people side hustle. And I feel like sometimes jobs feel threatened. And, you know, the reason that people side hustle is because they have so much else beyond just this one role that they were hired for. Now, did you ever do something outside of work? And then they said, you know what, we want, we want to do that. You know, we want to feature that in the next issue. Absolutely. And I did a, what I, what I found that I needed to also do or what worked is that I, I, I did not let them fill in the blank of how what I did outside of work connected to what I did inside of work. I filled in that blank. I said, here's how me being here helps you because every time I'm speaking somewhere, I'm meeting women, potential sources. And also I get that I'm very fortunate that my day job and my external passions outside of that role are completely in alignment. And so I know if someone is, you're, you're the, you know, an auditor and you're have a bakery, it might not have that same level of synergy, but I was very fortunate to have that. But also I, I, I reinforced to my management team of how it helped them. Like, oh, I spoke here. I'll be going here. This person I was able to chat with, here's how we could potentially integrate or here's opportunity for us. Here's what I learned. Because especially now, as the media landscape has changed, I realize how much so many of the things and all the pots I had a finger in, how they helped me now when I'm in meetings to be able to say, oh, this is something we should think about. Or, oh, I heard about this resource on a, on a podcast I was listening. So definitely, I had to, um, I, I definitely have had those things 
absolutely speakers I've met or, or just even in the resources I've created that have been able to funnel back into the organization. And so, but I, I learned early, like, let me better over communicate. And there's also times where, you know, there's certain things I can't do, right? For everything I can, like there's certain like brand partnerships or things where people might want to leverage those things. And the other thing is I have to, had to be very clear around um, owning my story and owning my narrative. And so I don't want someone to like try to leverage against my, my corporate job for their own benefits. Like, oh, Essence is hosting X. And it's like, no, you uh, if you want me to connect you with our event team and marketing, fine. But I can't get, I can't leverage the name Essence is hosting. Them. I can only, you know, offer Sharia because that's the only entity that I'm in the driver's seat for. So I definitely have learned how to manage me and, and protect myself with contracts, with things like that, that give me the ability to sign off on how my name is being used. Very, very important point. Now let's talk a little bit about the certifications that you went back to school for, or, you know, back to a program for. So I understand you're a certified family life educator and coach. Can you talk to us about what that process was like? Like how long did it take? And how did you know that that was the certification you wanted? Absolutely. And, um, you know, as I talked about, I left um, Essence and, and, and went in PR, but before I left, when I was 24, 25, I knew I wanted to write a book. And so I was in this writer's group and I wanted to write a college book for relationship students. And it was, I was in this writer group. I'm the one woman of I'm the youngest person there and the one black person there. And it was great because there's people who did not know me or at all who read my work and said, and they liked the proposal for the book I had. And they said, well, why would anybody listen to you? They didn't say it like that, but that's what I heard. And so it was a great question for me to go get a stronger answer. And so I was like, if I really want to commit myself to this, I will have to study for it. And so I am. I was attending a, a smart marriages conference and they offered a process where you could, um, a training program where you could go through their training and then do the, the exam to be certified. And so it's under the national council of family relations. And so I explored a different, different types of coaching, um, uh, programs. And for me, I wanted one that included the, the family dynamics that I wanted to speak to. And so instead of doing just a traditional life coaching program, I wanted one that also included some training around, dealing with relationships and personal dynamics. And so um, I did that about, hmm, um, I mean, it's been seven or eight years probably at this point. Um, but definitely, and, and, and to someone, you did, I didn't need it, right? But it definitely helped me solidify my own commitment, right? Because I had to bet on me, the time and the money. And then it also showed to, to the market that I was serious because even now there's things that I want to do. And I ask myself, how can you show that you're committed to that? So I had a real life instance where, um, I was excited to sold the audio book for my book, Boss Bride, the powerful woman's playbook for love and success. And I told my ed agent, like, I want to do the audio book. And she was saying like, you know, a lot of times they don't have the author do the audio book for these books, but I'll ask. And I was like, okay, if I need to send an audio, I'll send. And so I just recorded me reading and sent it over. And, you know, she came back and she was like, you know, the editor over there, they liked your voice, but they think they want a professional reader. And in that moment, I had to ask myself, like, are you okay if somebody else reads your book? Like, and I realized like, A, no, I wasn't because it's just such a personal story. But B, I, I had to be honest with myself and saying, you're saying you want to read an audio book, but you've never done it. And you haven't studied to say, what, it, what does it take to be someone who does audio? So I took that weekend and I went to all these trainings online and found all these things and ways to work on honing my voice. I was humming all weekend, like working on like, how do you really work to use your voice as an instrument? Something I'd never really done. I'd take it for granted. 
I just was a naturally decent communicator, but I hadn't elevated that skill. And so anytime you really want to play bigger, you will have to invest and elevate that skill. And so I was able to, you know, record it at a higher quality, take the time to really put forth my best work. And then, you know, today, actually, later today, I'll be on day two of recording the audio book. So definitely along the way, there's been those times where I'm like, you slow down enough to up your skill level. I love this. Um, I am just over here just getting my whole life from this. (laughs) Because you're so right. That's something that I've been thinking about doing. Truth moment, truth moment, you know, I think almost everyone hates how their voice sounds recorded. And that's something I've had on my list forever to get real vocal training. And now you just like made me up my game. So thank you. I mean, it's a whole world. I was really like, okay, let me like, cause it, you know, there was a part of me like, I mean, I, and I was like, well, he's, they can't, I can't be mad that they're about to spend their money on studio sessions and they want someone who's a pro. And it's like, we can be a pro. That's the side hustle pro means the difference between an amateur and a pro is that level of like, let me do it at a level where I get paid for it. Exactly. And let me invest in myself to, to get that, you know, like if I want this, I have to put in that. So hello. Thank you. Now (laughs) (laughs) we're going to get into boss bride, but I want to know before you actually had the idea to put your knowledge into a book, when did you start your whole speaking and coaching? How did you get into that? You know, before anyone knew, you know, who you were, how did you start to get these opportunities? That's a great question. And you know, it definitely was a mixture of or organic things, opportunities coming, but also me just knowing this is an area I wanted to play. I mean, I grew up in the church. My mom was my Sunday school teacher. My grandfather was a preacher. And so I came up sort of in that public public speaking where I spoke a lot. I did the announce. It's so funny. I was in the booth working on the audio book and I had like this flashback to being the girl who did the announcements in high school. And so and it was some ways I was like, oh my gosh, like I'm think- like, so it's, it's, it's been a part of me. I've always been someone who liked to speak. Um, and then as I got, but also in, in confession mode, I think there was a part of me that liked to speak, but also one of the reasons I think I went the print journalism route is because there was a part of me that liked to choose when I was seen. And so in some ways I was able to hide behind my writing for a lot the early, in the early parts of my career where I chose when I wanted to speak, but I wasn't necessarily someone who consistently put myself out. And even now, like just going on Facebook live and pushing myself, like you have something to share. And so, um, as far as like organizing as a speaker, I would say probably in the last five years, I've got more serious. I've, I've owned the fact that it's something I want to do and it's something I want to cultivate and also something I want to incorporate as a revenue stream in, in my business. And so I think, um, you know, that the, the started with that book, right. And then did the certified, the certification and doing workshops in that space. And so, and I, um, as a speaker, as more opportunity came, I realized I needed to, I, things I didn't know, right? When I talk about a contract, when I talk about booking, when I talk about um, um, a do, working with brands and corporate clients to come in and present seminars and workshops like I do now. So it, all, it feels like it's everything that I get paid for to do now, I've done it for free. I will say that. So after speaking on so many panels and you see what resonates with people, you see how people are responding, I realized, oh, wow, this is something that I should take more seriously is, but also like develop. And so I actually just came from um, Lisa Nichols uh, speaking right, her conference for speakers, which I always get so many gems and inspiration from. And so I started to be in communion and community with people who were modeling what I wanted to do next in my career. 
Uh, that's a great resource as well. I will link to that in the show notes. Lisa Nichols, she is a boss <laughs> when it comes to public speaking. Hey guys, it's Nikayla with a quick word from our sponsor. Okay, I have a side hustle hack for all to hear, and it's called Skillshare. You want to know how I grow as a businesswoman? I keep learning. There's not a week that goes by that I'm not checking out a refresher class or a deep dive tutorial. And my go-to is Skillshare. Skillshare is an online learning platform with over 18,000 classes in business, marketing, entrepreneurship, you name it. So whether you're trying to start a side hustle or scale your business, Skillshare is there to keep you learning and thriving. In the last month alone, I've learned how to set up my email capture landing page on Squarespace and how to boost my email marketing using MailChimp, all through Skillshare. And now, Skillshare has a special offer just for my listeners. Get two months of Skillshare for just 99 cents. That's right, just 99 cents. To sign up, go to Skillshare.com slash Hustle Pro. Again, go to Skillshare.com slash Hustle Pro to start your two months now. So now let's talk about this the book Boss Bride. Um, It is out now. Now, you guys, I want to know, I want to break this process down because a lot of people ask about writing books. I see that conversation come up like almost monthly in different Facebook groups that I'm a part of, including my own. First of all, when did you have the idea? And then what were the first steps you took to start to make that idea into a reality? Absolutely. So this book, I will tell you, has been, it feels like short, like there's a part of me like, oh my gosh, it's here already. And then there's a part of me that's like, this has been years in the making. And so as I talked about, it really was, it, it, there were different parts of the puzzle that piece together. So all my fellow writers out there, for a lot of us, we've known we, we wanted to write a book for a while. And so you sort, sort of a seed that sometimes in your spirit that takes time. And the research shows more than 80% of people want to write a book. So that's most of us who know. And there's space. I have a big bookshelf for all of us to share our story. It's needed in the world. And so for me, um, it, it started when I got to New York. And like I mentioned, I joined that writer's group. A, a friend I met just invited me like, oh, I'm in a writer's group. I said, oh, you know, I'm playing with the, I wanted to write a book. And so through that, I put together a proposal. Um, and I, oh, my arm, sorry. I put together my proposal. And at that time, the book was would be for college women around relationships. And one thing I will say is the Toni Morrison quote is true. I was always trying to write a book that I wanted to read. So every time I saw a gap in the market where I'm like, oh, where is this story? It was always clear to me, anytime you're asking that, that's your gap to fill. And so originally I wanted the book for college women and I still, in my heart of hearts, want to create something for college women because I feel like it's a market that isn't always properly served those earlier years in your life. And so I joined that writers group and from that I had a proposal and I had a friend who said, oh, I'll connect you with the agent I know because I'd started thinking I wanted representation. Now, this is for me wanting to go the traditional route of having a publisher. You know, this was also eight years ago prior to really so many resources available to self-publishing that are as prominent as they are now. And so um, through that, when I was still working in PR, I was able to uh, get my, my agent signed me as a client, Regina Brooks of Serendipity uh 
literary agency. And so that was in 2011. So here we are, 2018, right? Wow. So what happened between yeah. then and now? And um, and Regina, and so she took me and she said, let's, I like you and I think, let, like, let's figure out what the project is. And so over time, I really had to cultivate what that project was because at the time too, over that time span, the relationship market was increasingly saturated. You had Steve Harvey coming out with his book. Like it felt like, you know, there were all these books on the market in that category. So the question becomes what makes your book different? And so in my time at Essence, and I will say in that first year back at Essence, it took me a while just to adjust to the corporate. So I wasn't doing as much side hustling when I took that job, when I traded in, you know, some of the outside things to be able to coach a larger audience of women. And so about a year or two into that is when I really started saying, okay, what's the book? And so during that time, I always was passionate, like you, around, you know, career and professional development. And I also still had a heart for empowering women around our relationship choices. And so during that time, I did business coaching with a coach, Julian Gordon, here in New York. I was in his mastermind and he had us name our app, name our superhero. Like, who is the, who's the best version of you and the person you're trying to serve? And in that time, that's when Boss Bride came to me. So it just started as like this name that came to me of like a woman who was efficient, who was, do, kill, you know, playing full out professionally, but also taking care of home. And so through that is when I started to put together the proposal and I put the name Boss Bride on my title, wanted to create this book for women, like on how our love lives and careers intersect. And so finally in 2015, my agent started at the end of 2015, we updated the proposal, got it all together and started pitching it into market. And in 2000, early 2016, in the cold winter, I got plenty of no's from publishers. Ooh. And for anyone who's felt that sting. You know, there's there's one thing to somebody just to straight up like, no, that's one thing. It's another thing when you uh, almost yes sometimes can sting even worse than a flat out no because it's like, oh, we like you and let's talk and then like fizzle and then whatever reason, oh, my, my agent or we just did this other book that's kind of similar or like all these reasons of like, yeah, we like you, but. And so um, that was 2016 and, and then I got a few offers that came in, one being from my publisher, St. Martin's Press, my dope editor, Monique Patterson there. And so that was 2016 where I got the contract from and we agreed with St. Martin's Press to publish the book. And so then it was time to finally like actually sit and write the book, right? And yeah. so I had had notes and it had been an area I've been talking. There have been for certain phrases or things or things I said in speeches that had resonated over time. And then it probably took me about four, three or four months. And because I say that like consistent time, right? I should have clocked the hours because I was one of those people for years, obviously saying, oh, I'm working on a book. But really, <laughs> was daily, was I sitting down at a computer writing? No. But those last four months, I would get up every morning for about two hours and, and write and craft it. Uh, and so that became, but you know what I will say, I'm very grateful and proud. I'm very proud of the book. And if I did it over again, I would have incorporated my community sooner. I would have, I have a great Facebook group, Boss Bride Tribe. I would have been sharing with them in the process of writing versus like kind of after the fact, like, okay, we got a book. And so that's one thing, definitely that motivator. But what did keep me motivated was the woman who was waiting on me. Like who's like, if there's a book in your spirit, it's not for you. I always say the difference between a book and a diary is a diary is for you. A book is for somebody else. And so if I'm asking you to spend your money and time, then it needs to be something of value to you. And if it's in your spirit, it's 
because someone actually has requested it. And so every time I get confirmation from a woman, like, wow, I've been waiting on this. It's like, you were the one who got me up on that morning that I didn't feel like it. Because let me tell you, the same day I got the contract to write this book is the same day I left a long relationship with a man I thought I was going to marry. And so all of a sudden I was writing Boss Bride, getting over a breakup. And then, you know, you read it, you'll hear I fall in love again. Like it's all these things, but definitely know that it's possible. Um, And from a technical tool um, part, I use, um, I never really know how to say it, but Shrivener or the Shrivener, I never know, but it's um, the, 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 the processing system you can download is so worth it. It let me uh, have all my chapters so I could move things from chapter to chapter and then side by side, I could see chapters. And then they also have uh, um, an iPhone app. So if you have, if you're working on your iPad or your phone, or on your desktop, you could sync it up. So back to using your commute, I was editing this book on the train sometimes in that app. So a couple of things. Again, you're sharing so many gems. Thank you so much. So first of all, now, what does a book agent do versus your publisher? And how how did you know, you know, which agent was for you? So definitely. So most people who have a a published book by, you know, a a publisher have an agent because most publishers deal with your agent directly. So at this point I communicate, yes, my editor around the content, but prior to that, all the negotiation pieces, your agent manages that part. And so sometimes it is true. People say it's harder to get an agent than a book deal. I don't, I don't, I don't, I I know people on both sides who have had difficulty or easy or ease in either or both, but your agent is the person who believes in your, in your project and believes that they can can sell it to an, a publisher. So if you are in the first step of saying, hey, I think I want to go the traditional route, you definitely want to uh, get an agent. And, you know, this is this is the new time where it used to be enough just to have like great content. And now they definitely are expecting you, both the publisher and the agent, to bring a platform. So that's always the word, bring a platform. Like who, who's going to share this book? Who will blurb this book? Who do you know and who do they know is definitely a part of the piece. So most publishers uh, and, and editors and agents go straight to the, the marketing page and your proposal. Like how, are you, how will you market this book? Where will you be? How will we get this book seen? Because even now, yes, your, 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 there'll be a PR and marketer on the team, but traditionally any author you talk to is like, oh man, I wish that, you know, they would do more. Cause it's like, they have a lot of books that that publicist and marketer are working on. So you will have to be, you will work just as hard, um, whether you self publish or go through a publisher route. So yes, they'll help with distribution. And that's the reason I went this route just to help with distribution from our first book. And they could get it out into bookstores in a way that I couldn't as a self-published author, um, who, who didn't already have thousands of sales in my book. And so, but as far as the difference with your agent and your, in your publisher, so your agent will be the person who shepherd, who sort of goes to different publishers and represents you and, and negotiates for your deal. They'll negotiate what you offer. They'll negotiate what is in your contract. So how much do you get paid per book? How much do you get paid for Kindle? How much do you get paid for your audiobook? And also what rights to the content in the book do you retain as an author? So that definitely is an important piece of the puzzle. And then your publisher, they're the, like sort of the person who puts the book out. So they're working on a Barnes and Noble relationships and Target and Amazon and Goodreads. They're the people who will send the book out to Goodreads so you can get some early reviews. And so those are sort of once your agent connects you with and gets you the deal, you'll work directly with your publisher on that side of it. But your agent will still be that person who shepherds through any outside deals. And now if you decide you want to sell other parts of the book, whether you want to sell a script or sell other parts, sell the movie rights or international rights, you 
opportunity to work that out. Um, and so I've been fortunate to have uh, great experiences with both an agent who believes in the project, but I will say my in every relationship within the publishing process, my passion always has to be the original passion. The more excited I've been about the book, I see how everybody else gets excited. So I'm really excited. I'll be at BookCon, which is the largest book uh, publishing event in the, in the world. And so I'll be on a panel. Um, Angela, I worked and coordinated and partnered with Angela Yee to bring her book club live and BookCon. And I'll also be able to sign books there. But again, my agent had a relationship that made that possible. Love it. Love it. And then once you signed the publishing deal, was it like you, that's when you had like a firm deadline. So, the, you know, you started cracking yeah, that way. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. And let me be all the way real. That deadline will get you up in the morning. So yeah. And then from a contract standpoint, just so you know, like I didn't pay anything out of pocket. So my agent's contract with me was a percent based on anything I got from the book. So we just signed a contract. So if an agent is asking you for money outside the gate, then, you know, reconsider no one I no author is paying an agent to represent them so that because because they're banking on the fact that they believe in it and they can sell it and that's how they'll get their money because they'll get a percent of anything that you get got it that is really great advice I, I was assuming that you had been paying her a little bit okay that is very good advice. Now, for those who are looking to get started, you know, now that you are um, through this process, is there anything you would have done differently? Would you even consider self-publishing? What are your thoughts? Uh, I definitely would have been more, I, I don't think for my first one, I still would have gone the publishing route. I think I might have negotiated, like when I talk about the audiobook, I, I definitely would have negotiated for a higher percent for <laughs> any proceeds from that. Um I would have driven like at the, like when I tell you there's not much difference from a marketing side of what you'll do as a published author or traditional publisher or if you publish independently. And so I wish I would have not depended on them like soon. I wish I would have owned that driving wheel sooner to better manage up the marketing and PR teams, ask questions, ask what I didn't know that I didn't know. I would have talked to more authors who I know. So I, I talked to them about the writing process. I would have talked to them about the business process more of like, what is your, which, how did you negotiate that? How did, who set that up for you? Cause even like Barnes and Noble signings, like right now I'm working on some of those and like Barnes and Noble is not as likely to work with you directly as an author. They like to work with the Barnes and Noble um, marketing person inside of publishers. And so it's been that piece where I was like, oh, if I would have known that, I would have been on this six months ago, but I didn't know. And so there's a lot of, I didn't know that I would have definitely asked more questions sooner. Now, before we jump into the lightning round and wrap up, um, you did touch on something that it's kind of a sensitive subject. So, you know, I'm glad you raised it and we're comfortable raising it. But, you know, as you said, you were in this relationship and then here you are writing a book about being a boss bride and the relationship <laughs> ends. Um, you know, what are your thoughts on the title and people's expectations when they see the title and being able to have that credibility and explain the nuance of the title? Absolutely. And so what I knew, even in the original proposal of the book, was that a boss bride, being a boss bride was not about a job title or a relationship status. It was about a state of mind. And so I knew it was like, how do I approach my day? Like, who is the, how does every woman tap into the highest, best version of herself? And so chapter one in the book is, yes, you are a boss bride. And it breaks down whether you are a divorcee, whether you don't know if you ever want to get married, you can tap into a mentality. Because be clear, Every Olympian who has a gold medal, they were thinking about being a gold medalist Olympian way before they stepped onto that field, way before they stepped into that arena, because you have to think like it to achieve it. And so I wanted to really 
awaken us to to step into the best version of ourselves and do it for myself too. And so to not be limited because the reality is we're in a culture that would have women believe that being in a relationship is a prize. And I'm here to say, actually, you are the prize. And being outside of that relationship helped me fall in love with myself at a higher level to attract the things I desire at a higher level. So the book is not, it never was, and it's not a memoir. I interview more than a hundred women who are, who are my working wives to gather insight because I didn't approach this that I had all the answers. I approached this that I had a lot of questions. I was a woman who was ambitious. I was a woman who knew I wanted to place bigger in my career, but also knew that I wanted the relationships that curled my toes. And so how would I navigate that? And so definitely it is so much, I gathered the data that proved that yes, you can have the desires of your heart. And yes, you don't have to feel defined by an external title or an external status to own your identity. So it made me stand stronger and be like, yeah, I absolutely am a boss bride, even though I haven't been married before. And I know that's, that's part of the assignment for me is to, to confront that discomfort, right? The fact that that makes us uncomfortable because then even in my tribe, like people don't have a hard time saying they're a boss, even if they're an intern or a secretary. So why should you have a hard time saying you're a bride? And if only on your wedding day. And so it's really to take the mentality of a bride, being present, being connected with people you love, living in the moment with a boss, being strategic, being a delegator and really saying, how do I create a mindset that any day and every day can be one of the best days of my life? Yes. Oh, I just love it. You know, there's certain episodes that you just know as you're recording that you're going to re-listen to over and over. And this is one. Um, and, you know, the mindset piece of anything is so, so important. So I'm so glad you touched on that. All righty. Now we're going to jump into the lightning round and you'll basically just answer the first thing that comes to mind. Are you ready? Yes. All right, let's go. Number one, what is a resource that has helped you in your side hustle that you can share with the Side Hustle Pro audience? I love it. So I was just talking to a friend yesterday, ConvertKit. I love, I did dabble in Infusionsoft for a few months and it was hard. And I went back to my first love, ConvertKit. It helps me manage my list. It helps me engage with my community and I get so much response from people and it shows up in their Gmail. So I am, I love ConvertKit. I love Teachable. My first online course, happilyevernow.me is a Teachable course and they have been a great resource and made it easy for me. Number two. What's been the best business book or podcast episode that you've consumed this year? Ooh, so I am loving Sponsored, a new book by Brandis Henderson Daniel, founder of Harlem Fashion Row, and also her podcast with Homegirl Sybil, Great Girlfriends podcast. I love both of them, and they just always give me inspiration, but also a lot of stabby. And particularly if you're looking to engage with brands and have sponsors for your events, Brandis has had more than a million dollars in sponsorship dollars, so she is a great resource. Yes, I love that too. It just got the book myself. Okay. Number three, who is a black woman go-getter that you would want to trade places with for a day and why? Well, if I could go back in time, it'd be Madam C.J. Walker, because I mean, this is a woman who leaped, who had parents who were born into slavery and became the country's first female self-made millionaire and not just black of any woman of any color, which is extraordinary. So I would love to see how she navigated mentally and spiritually to adjust to this new world she created around her. Uh, living, I would say, I've been very fortunate to, you know, have Lisa Nichols as a, a friend and mentor and be able to go behind the curtain with her because I always tell her she's someone who her 
she can do front of house and back of house just as well, right? So she can go on stage and kill it. And then backstage, she is able to create structure in her business that creates consistent revenue and connection. So I would want to go deeper and seeing even more than what I've seen. Number four, what is a personal habit that has helped you significantly in your life? Pray, meditate. I definitely am clear that I didn't create myself and I'll have a creator that loves me, which anchors me in my life. And so definitely, uh, I, I say in the book, I didn't have a ghostwriter, but I had a God writer. And so definitely connecting with spirit and the divine that lives in me has been the, the, the driver for me. Amen. And finally, number five, what is your parting advice for fellow women side hustlers who want to be their own boss, boss bride, but are worried about losing a steady paycheck? I would say, first of all, that paycheck is, it feels steady, but it's not secure. And so you want to be in a position where you know that no matter what happens outside, that you're good. So I would say, first of all, release the fear and release the lie that this day job is so steady because nothing is guaranteed. And we're in a time of major disruption where so many industries are having to, I'm not lightning around. You said quick. I'm sorry. I got wrong. Long-winded. I would say bet on you. You, you don't, you are a winning, you're a walking winning lottery ticket. Act like it. Yes. And on that note, you guys, number one, get the book. I'll be linking to it in the show notes, Boss Bride. And number two, thank you so much for being in the guest chair, Sharia. Thank you. This was so fun. Where can people connect with you after this episode? Absolutely. You can follow me at Sharia, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. You can go to bossbride.com, get your free bonus chapter of the book. Um, and also when you purchase the book, you'll get a bonus audio, including uh, my interview when I kind of interviewed Oprah Winfrey in her backyard. You don't want to miss that. Yeah. And yeah, that's that's where you and you can follow at Boss Bride on social as well. All righty. And there you have it. Hey, guys. Thanks for listening to Side Hustle Pro. If you want to hear more from me, head on over to sidehustlepro.co forward slash side hustle corner to get my weekly side hustle diaries chronicles about my own journey from passion project to profitable business. And if you want to find me online, I'm at Side Hustle Pro on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Don't forget to join the Side Hustle Pro Facebook community. Go to sidehustlepro.co forward slash mastermind. And as always, if you love the show, do me a favor and subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes. Thanks, guys. Talk to you next week. Thank you.